Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL, and anything sports related. Please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to this week's episode of Outside the Sheds. You're in the right place, the right zip code, the right time, the right era, the right moment. So when you're in the right moment, reach out and grab it. And by God, you've grabbed it because you're here right now. Welcome to Outside the Sheds. I'm your Shed Adamas. I am your host. And I can say, Shedheads, I am your Shed Adamas for sure after this last week that I've had. I didn't need any help from Peter Volandes. I didn't need any help from any commissioners from any organizations. My head, I already know the condition it's in. So I don't need anyone to tell me anything about that. But what I can tell you is your Shed Adamas went six for eight this week. Yes. That's right. That's right. Bring it home. Daddy's got a brand new bag. But in, anyway, I you know, enough about that. Because I hate more than anything about talking about myself. Every hour. But what I'm saying is, it was a good week. It was a better week for me on the betting side than it definitely was for the NRL and Peter Volandis with their head hit, high hit, let's get on a soapbox concussion, excuse me, let's get on a soapbox for a concussion diatribe that went on. Because before I go into this week's scores, this, what's going down right now is Peter Volandis, who's done a great job last year for the Apollo Project, that he did to make sure that the NRL was the first competition that came back and showed that it, that the sport a sport can be played and get through the COVID pandemic. And and hats off to Peter Villanis for making that happen. But he's missing the point here with this high contact. And we're going to get into that because we're going to talk about that in some detail after we go over these scores. Because I'm going to spend more time talking about that than I am the scores. Because I don't need to tell you much more than six for eight. But we'll get it. We'll get back to to, to uh, uh, dictate. I mean, Commissioner. I mean, uh, Peter Volandis uh, in a matter of moments. But let's go over the scores really quick. Magic round. Besides, just the I don't even know what to say. The unsettling of watching officials not knowing when to officiate, when to blow a whistle, how to blow a whistle, what to blow a whistle for. When you try to get past all of that, we saw some brilliant football this weekend for Magic Round. Unfortunately, this overshadowed Magic Round because rugby league fans are passionate fans. They play and they watch, excuse me, let me say that again. They watch a game none of them can play. Because of the physical prowess, the brutality, and just the hard edge that it takes to be a rugby league player. I think all of us are in awe when we watch some of the things that these players and these men put themselves through week in and week out. And I think a lot of people that watch it haven't seen a gym since they were in secondary school or in high school over here in the States. Let's be honest. Okay, there's very few people like your Shed Adamas that likes to work out. I mean, did I say that? I'm talking about myself again. What I'm saying is that that is one of the reasons 
that people love rugby league is from, let's be honest, the violence aspect. And watching athletes with incredible skill navigate a sport that in a moment's notice, your career could be over. And it has a draw to it. I'm saying there's a reason that that fighting in the Roman Colosseum was popular from the beginning of times. There's a reason that boxing and wrestling and now MMA have always been popular. It, it, they're, they're very violent. They're very in your face. And we really have no idea. And to me, this is why MMA has surpassed boxing. Because of the size of the gloves that MMA fighters use, or some people would say the lack of gloves that MMA fighters use, do not pad from the violent contact to the head that a punch can land. That a boxing glove may, quote-unquote, shield some guys from some knockout punch. Now, that does not mean that those heavy gloves don't cause long-term damage because of the trauma that the brain gets inflicted upon it about hitting the front of the skull from constant snapping back of the neck from the jab. All in all, what we're saying is if you play a sport that is has contact in it, that head trauma can happen, no matter what. No matter what rules we try to put down, you can't put down a rule and, and cause a 15-yard penalty or a send-off to the ground. And let's be honest, the head ricocheting off the ground causes more head trauma than anything in all sports. That's football over here in America, uh, and that's rugby league, AFL, Aussie Rules Boys. They go up for a for a high mark. They come down on their head. Guess what? Out cold, knocked out. Either that or they are groggy at best, right? So we're going to go into this in detail because this, this, this really strikes home close with me, and I really want to talk to it with you, Shedheads. But starting off Magic Round, we had the Knights – Going down to the boys that would be considered and still called the West Tigers. 36-18 to 18 for the Tigers. Uh, Michael McGuire, Madge actually putting Adam Dewey in the position I thought Adam Dewey should always be playing at. And that's the center's position. I've said this. Go back and look at the tapes. And guess what? If you're just joining the party now, you've got 35 episodes to catch up. So let's start doing some homework. It's an hour a day. You should be caught up by Christmas. But anyway, what I'm saying is this, and that is that Adam Dewey, to me, yes, he can play 5-8, and he might think that's his preferred position, but the position that Adam Dewey can be very, very dangerous with because he's a ball-playing center like a Jamie Lyon back in the day, that is what Adam Dewey has the potential to do and to be. And he's got a good foot. I'm saying he can really kick the ball well. He just adds so much different things that I think he can exploit a team from playing in the centers. That's why I said when you from previous episodes, the Tigers should have kept Benji and, and let him and Brooksy still run the halves, put Dewey out at center, and that's even before, before Dane Laurie popped up to play at fullback. Now, I don't know what that means with Moses Embai, um, but I think you could have done with Moses Embai a little bit with what the, uh, the, the, the Rabbitohs have been doing with Benji almost using a three-pronged system uh, in, in the halves. But no matter what, the Tigers win with Moses Mbai at 5-8, 36-18 over the Knights. Sea Eagles 50, Broncos 6, might not have even been that close. Uh, once again, 
Dazzy's back, back again, setting up for an incredible match this week. The Raiders somehow found a way to win a match that they had no business winning. The Bulldogs, I guess that shows when we always say that a team can be led to water, but that doesn't mean they can drink the scotch. Wait a second. Anyway, now what I'm saying is they had everything set up in front of them, the Dogs, to win that match. And I think that's why you see Trent Barrett's great lettuce maybe slowly start to fall out in the next year or two. Because Barrett would have run his halves totally different if he was playing. And because he didn't have that type of halves play, and you wonder, you know, if Little Flanagan was in there, maybe they actually find a way to win that match. But they did not. The Raiders showing Ricky's fight sticky sticky that that just that agitation that runs inside their hearts down there for Canberra helped bring them over the top because they refused to lose and I think that is the one thing that you can take out of a Ricky Stewart team is they have this ability to fight to the end which means they look for every opportunity to win a big match and they won one they had no business winning but really incredible to watch then we had the Rabbitohs and the Sharks. 32-22, Rabbitohs win that one. Unfortunately, that confused whistle was the thing that brought down this match to a level that really upset me. It upset Michael Ennis as well. Ennis the Menace had to talk about that a numerous amounts of times during the weekend and through some of the wrap-up shows. And I knew it right then. You know, you can't go back five minutes and make a, a call like they did on Chad Townsend, which changed the entire momentum of the game. The whole reason they're putting these rules into effect is for a fast-paced game and momentum. And if you do that, you cannot go back two to five minutes and make a call. You can't do it. It goes away from everything that they're trying to do, or allegedly they're trying to do, by making it a fluid fast-moving game and that that call on Chad Townsend was utter crap and I'm saying that with trying to be as subdued as much as I possibly can Chad Townsend had no idea the crowd had no idea what the heck was going on and you can't have a game going on when the crowd doesn't know what's happening and you hear people talk over and over again a lot of frustration these, they're not giving these tickets away for free to go to Magic Round. I'm going to pay a lot of money if I want to go to Magic Round to see all three days. And to go in and not know what to expect is garbage. And I'm not against, I'm, I'm not against preventing the high hit. I'm not against player safety. I'm against ways things are implemented. And if you watch some of the big leagues and organizations... When they implement something, they start implementing it during the preseason. And I know the preseason has been back. It's been a little confused because of COVID. Hell, the world has been confused because of COVID as long as you didn't think it was a democratic hoax. But what I'm saying is we've all had our growing pains and our problems. But you do not implement something in week nine and say we're going to change on a dime. You can't do it. You can't. So... That ended up costing the Sharks, who are getting ready to come over the top. Two late tries 
by the Rabbitohs, and it's a and it's a ten point victory for South Sydney, who had an incredible first half. Benji Marshall looked incredible with his 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 out pass that he did uh, earlier in the first half. Then the Roosters beat the Cowboys. This is what prevented me from really being dynamic this week and going seven for eight. Uh, I picked the upset. I thought the Cows could do some damage, and and again, I don't know why I'm picking against Robbo and and the Chooks. But 30-16, they take care of business. Then the Eels, again, their, their best start, I think that is, in, in their franchise's history. 34-18 over the Warriors. I'm telling you, I still go back. We've talked about this over and over and over and over and over again where I've said the Tigers made the bad call of keeping Luke Brooks and letting Mitchell Moses go. I've always loved Mitchell Moses. Mitchell Moses is one of my favorite players in the Habs because I knew what he could grow into. But you can't teach somebody fire. You can't teach somebody competitive nature. That's just something that's in you. It burns. It makes you, it pushes you towards excellence. And that's why I'm always going to go and pick a guy like Mitchell Moses over a guy like Luke Brooks. It's not because Luke Brooks can't be an incredible talent. But I want the guy that you can feel is always smoldering underneath the surface. He's got a little bit of arrogance to him, a little bit of uh, uh, a braggart to him, a little bit, but he has no problem doing it because he knows, I'll show you. So he's not full of smoke. He's going to show you, but he may put you on fire. Then we have the dragons going down to the storm. Now this is, a, again, of all of the hits in this first in this magic round would be the Pappenhausen hit. And yes, people pay big money to see Ryan Pappenhausen, but let's remember something. Billy Slater, Ryan Pappenhausen, these guys were not big individuals. They're not big individuals. They're not big guys. Dane Laurie has to have a steel chin. Maybe Dane Laurie from the Tigers should go in and get into MMA or boxing. Because I've seen him take some pretty big shots. And he is bit, he is smaller than Ryan Pappenhausen. And he doesn't stay down. He he doesn't get knocked out. He doesn't get hit. Uh, and he does get hit. I'm sorry. But he just doesn't seem like he has a lasting effect for some shots. And I don't want to say he's more elusive than Ryan Pappenhausen. Because we know, I you've heard me talk about the Ferrari. He's one of my favorite players to watch. But Ryan Pappenhausen takes a high shot. He gets taken off, carted off the field. In the sheds, he's fine later on. Well, he's acting fine. We know that his bell is rung. We know he's got cobwebs. We know he's a little loosey-goosey upstairs because of that. But it looks like he could play this week, and I think that he's, I think he is in the roster to play this week. Things can change. But uh, in the sheds afterwards, he looked like he was totally fine. Um, we don't know. And this is the thing about concussions as we talk about it. Just because somebody looks like they're fine, at that moment, doesn't mean that night things aren't going to kick in or the next day things aren't going to kick in from headaches to nausea to all of those things. Uh, vision. So you can't say just because a guy looked okay in the shed that he's going to be okay two to three days from now. That's why I say we don't know fully the extent of how Ryan Pappenhausen is. It does look like he's trending that he could play this week and that he probably will play this week, but we don't know. And then the match that how should I say, ended the round just like it ended the Titans. Those pink Penny Panthers, the Pink Panthers 48, the Titans 12. 
And it wasn't even that close. You know what? You know that's one of my favorite sayings. It wasn't even that close. Uh, they continued. Pan- this, is, this is a new saying we should have on this show. Panthers going to Panther. Because the Penrith Panthers, week in and week out, are going to beat you. They're going to embarrass you. And they're going to have fun doing it. So we'll say those three things I just said is our version of Panthers are going to Panther. Nathan Cleary, again, being Nathan Cleary, getting better week in and week out. What's scary about Nathan Cleary is he is not at the age, quote unquote, that the game has not started to slow down fully for him. Meaning when he's 28, 29, 30, when the knowledge of the game, the ability to to see into the future of how you should play a situation, uh, you have more experience to draw off of, which helps you make the decision of what you can do or what you shouldn't do. And Nathan Cleary already seems like he's in that position where he's able to do that off of natural skill and talent. So what happens when you add upon experience and two to three more years of experience, knock on wood that he doesn't get hurt, he is going to be something that he could be the closest thing that we can talk about having an immortal as a blues player. He's got that type of potential and he's playing that way right now. Now the question is what they do origin wise to partner him in the halves because he will be the New South Wales half. The question is, do they give him Luai, his partner at Penrith, or do they still keep trying to give him uh, Jack Whiten from the, from the Canberra Raiders? Myself, I'd go with Luai, but we'll talk about that closer to origin, which, knock on wood, is only two to three weeks away. Now, that ends the round of Magic Round, and I hope you guys really enjoyed it. I really apologize to a lot of you because, you know, I really got into telling you how excited I was. And to me, we really got overshadowed about the magic of Magic Round by the head issue and the referee calls and a lot of that and that to me really stinks that we have to talk about that now Uh, but I want to get into this now you guys know a little bit about me um, but I'm going to go into a little bit of detail a little bit about my life I was in a very 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 serious and bad car accident uh, when I was 20, 20 20 years old I think and I had a really bad, bad head trauma from that accident. And I had such bad head trauma that I had to wear a patch that I had to switch every day for my eye because my vision was so bad. And I had to wear that for two months. And when I removed that patch, because they said that they needed to calibrate my eyes to help my brain calibrate what it was seeing. And, and so after that two-month period, I took off my patch and besides lovely ladies on my campus contacted me to wear my patch for Halloween, I did not get my vision back to normal. Um, and it was not when I removed my patch. And it would be kind of like taking your hand and, and bring it to your face really fast repeatedly and trying to focus on that. That's what it was like. And it made me sick to my stomach and, and lightheaded. Um, and I had some brain swelling. It was really, really bad, Shedheads. It was not something I would wish upon many people. I'm not one of those people that said I wouldn't wish it upon anybody because there's plenty of people I would wish it on uh, starting in within a minute from now. But what I, what I want to really convey to you guys when I'm bringing this up to you is 
Uh, I did get my vision back. Maybe I should finish my story a little bit. My vision finally came back in, but I had to walk around for about five to six days feeling sick to my stomach and squinting every so often and just trying to focus my vision to bring my eyes together to actually tell my brain and give my brain the pictures and the images so my brain could process it. It was horrible. It was horrible. And I lost short-term memory. Uh, I, you know, a lot of stuff that had happened within the, the last couple of years, didn't remember it well. Thank God I remembered a lot of my history and my past um, from when I was a child very, very well. But my short-term memory uh, was, was tough. You know, thank God I remembered my girlfriend's name and, and my girlfriend at the time. That would have really been bad, right? But the reason I tell you that is because I take very much to heart and I think it's very, very important when I talk about the brain and the head because I've been there. It hasn't, my injury didn't come from a 280 pound man hitting me in the head with his arm, but the lasting effects of head trauma I have experienced and it's nothing to mess around with, period. My difference is this, Shedheads, I was in the passenger seat of a vehicle driving down the road thinking about having a great weekend with some of my friends when I got back to college and I got hit in a ba- by a full-ton pickup truck right on my door doing 80 miles an hour. I did not have a say in that. I was, a, I was along for the ride. Every player, and I played the football, American football. I was a quarterback, so I wasn't inflicting the hits. I was running from getting hit and throwing the ball. But what I'm saying is we all know when you get into a physical sport, that's why moms a lot of times don't want their their kids to go play football, go play rugby, go play rugby league, go play Aussie rules football, play any contact sport because there is that chance. Let's be honest that you could pay the ultimate price. You could die. Doesn't happen often, but it could happen. Or you could be paralyzed. You could be paralyzed. And some people, that's worse than death, thinking that they wouldn't ever be able to run again or or anything. So what I'm saying is, I understand the seriousness of this. What I'm saying is, unlike my car accident, any person that plays rugby league, American football or gridiron, whatever you want to call it, knows this is the, the risk you take to play something you love. We all know that. And we all accept that. So to go in and to try to change a game by just saying that we're now all of a sudden really concerned about concussion is very confusing to me. The number one way I'm saying I'm very confused is if you're so concerned about head trauma, why is not every single player that plays rugby league wearing a soft helmet? Like, like Kalen Ponga, Jerome Hughes, If you're so concerned, why is it not mandated that every player wears a soft helmet? And the reason you don't hear these people saying this is most of these people that are quote-unquote making these decisions have all played the game and they didn't play with that. Well, if you're going to be so serious as you say we want to change this, you put that on their head. Now, I am not saying this is what I'm calling upon. I'm just saying that if you're really going to stand up on this soapbox and say 
that we need to protect the players, as they say. And I want to think about the players later on down the line. It's about the players' safety. It's about the players' family. Thank you, Peter Landis. But what I'm saying is, if that's what you're saying, why are you not mandating helmets? You try to bring into situation, you try to call the NFL and gridiron into it about them making changes. Well, they're wearing helmets. Hockey players wear helmets. Cricket players, when they're in the batter box, wear helmets. Baseball players wear helmets. Now, if you look at me and say, we want to, we don't want to go that far, mate, mate, come on, it's the game. We shouldn't want to, we got good lettuce, blah, blah, whatever. I, I have no problem with that, man. I'm not the guy sitting here saying that I want to change the game on a dime. What I have a problem with, with head contact, is the big guys doing swinging arms. I got no place for the swinging arms. Just like I had no place for the cannonball tackles, the low tackles diving at a guy's knees. To me, that's utter garbage. But we know the, how should I say, the felons that continue to do it week in and week out who play with a type of aggressiveness and lead by, let's be honest, intimidation. Hey, man, if that's what you want to do, and I'm not going to start calling players' names out because some of them I really, really like and some of them I think are borderline sociopaths a little bit. But if you get caught swinging an arm, I have no problem with you getting set off the field. But why don't we do this? Why don't we think outside the box and use our upper education to think for a second? If a guy does not get knocked out of a game, and if a guy continues to play the game, like James Tedesco, who took his high shot this week, but Teddy ran off the field for 22 seconds and ran right back on it with a different card, changeout card. But the guy gets sent off for 10 minutes. So why are we not taking into consideration if a player is sent off for 10 minutes for a head con high head contact, then the guy that gets hit that hard that a guy is getting sent off for 10 minutes has to stay out for 10 minutes. There you go. But I don't think that players should just be sent off like that quickly, like you're in the bed, mate. And sure, I guess we can just keep putting guys on report for the most minuscule of, I break, I'm sorry about brushing the top of your head. Your hair's messed up. I've got a comb in my back pocket. That, yeah, you can waste the time by putting on a report. But let's think about this. The whole thing we've been talking about with this game is the quickness, the flow. Let's keep it moving faster, 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 faster. You're going to get the players fatigued. And when players in any sport get fatigued, guess what they do? They take stupid penalties because they're mentally not thinking right. They do not go through the process fully. They don't fully wrap up. They start swinging arms a little bit more because they are gassed. So you can't have it both ways. And you can say we're going to coach them up. We're going to coach them how to tackle. Let's also not forget, everyone keeps talking about the low tackle. Let's tackle the legs. I've seen more serious injuries from guys... Ask Lachlan Lewis, guys who go in low for the legs against a guy like Josh Papali. Josh Papali brings that leg up to run through you. Guess where his knee is hitting you? In the head. Victor Radley, it just happened to Victor Radley. Going with that nice form tackle low, but if you do not time that right, it's good night, Irene. 
We're shutting the lights off because you are out. Somebody catches you in the side of the head with a knee or a hip, you are done. And you're probably not going to just have to go and do the uh, HI. You're done. Because it will knock you in the next week. The hip and the knee are two of the strongest places to knock somebody out if you want to do it. Why do you think in MMA they have a flying knee? Because it will shut you off. So be careful because all of a sudden if you want players to start tackling low, you're going to get more knee injuries from guys because guys don't come in right with the tackle. And you're going to get guys knocked out who are a little bit smaller and those knees catch them in the head. So what you're going to tell me is we're going to change the entire way we tackle and that Cameron Smith, maybe the greatest player to ever play the game, who never barely tackled low, but would tackle and wrap up around the ball and swing you down, you're going to say he did it wrong for all the years that he did it. You're out of your mind. You are out of your mind. So the NRL is at a crossroads right now because you better be careful about talking about we've got to look out for the, for the game in five to ten years. We've got to look out. The game is very important to the future of the game. Well, that's, that's good. But don't forget how kids start falling in love with the game. They fall in love with the game because their fathers and their mothers expose them to the game. And if you lose fans that have been so passionate they might start a podcast or might pay a lot of money and might lose sleep because they stay up and watch games, shut that game off because it's not the game they fell in love with or play, or people that have played the game or people that have watched the game for 20 or 30 years longer than that? Well, you're not growing your game either because they're turning that game away from their youth, the people that are influential in their lives. So you take that chance of alienating your true fan base for the hopeful fan that you have coming in. And it's Russian roulette, my friend. And I hope that when that hammer comes down, that you hit an empty spot and not that bullet because you put a bullet in your brain and it's over. So be very, very careful about being so thought-provoking for the game. Because I'll tell you, the NFL changed their policy of the way they started They started to put, I think they were pink, pink moo-moos around the quarterback's waist. I think they were pink moo-moos. And they started to throw players out in college for contact to the head and, and all this stuff. And 90% of the time, the guy they hit in the head isn't even knocked out. He's not even hurt. It's one thing if you kick a guy off the field and you have to stretcher him off. But the guy doesn't ever lose the game. He never leaves the game. And you eject him out. And then he's, if it's in the second half, he's out for the first. In, this isn't in college football again. American college gridiron. It's ridiculous. And the reason I'm bringing that to your attention is a game that I loved, American football gridiron, I still like it a lot. But I don't have the same passion for it that I did. Because it's not the game that I grew up watching. And do I still enjoy it? Sure, I enjoy it. But I am not thinking a week out, I can't believe this game. I can't wait for two more days. Just two more days till that game comes out. It's not like that anymore with me. It's not like that anymore with me. So... As I say this and I get on this big soapbox with this, this what I'm telling you this week, Shedheads, they've put a lot of things in place. 
the NRL had, from the HIA, from the HIAs to a lot of things where they have the bunker looking at things. You cannot go overboard. And hopefully Peter Volandes and the refs get together and they start they kind of start coming back because we had 14 sin bins, seven high contacts, and three send-offs in three days of football. Eight matches. That's way too much. We had two send-offs all of last season. We had three in a weekend. They're getting it wrong. The ideology of the head and watching out for the head is fine. But if you really want to be that pro, why are guys not wearing helmets again? I'm going to leave you with that. Why are they not wearing helmets? Because I want to ask you, you remember JT? Jonathan Thurston wore his soft hat all the time and that guy would get creamed week in and week out. A lot of times cheap shots. But the reason Jonathan Thurston may not have ever had to leave the field is he wore a helmet the entire time. And I know guys will say, well, it's just not Manly. Well, that's fine. Manly's a team, by the way. But JT barely ever had to leave the field. And don't forget, it wasn't headshots that made JT finally retire. It was his shoulders and the shoulders and the shoulders. The pain that he kept taking from having to tackle men twice his size. And never leaving a tackle. And I've stood next to Jonathan Thurston. He's about the same size as I am. So that means he's huge. No, anyway. But I'm just saying that he's not the biggest guy. Anyway, that is my take. My feeling on high contact and the way that it was handled. Uh, Not a big fan. And I'm really worried going into this week. And kind of curious to see what they do and if they rectify some of the things they do. Because I don't want to watch matches where I see a team that's fighting as hard as the Cronulla Sharks were to one call influence the entire outcome of, and, and, and for a call that shouldn't have even been blown. So, anyway, that's that. I told you about Ryan Pappenhausen getting knocked out of the game. Uh, he looks like he's doing okay, but, I, you know, as the Melbourne Storm. As one guy leaves, another man enters. And Nico Hines played like a boss this weekend. Man, did Nico Hines play well. And it's such a good thing to see, man. Nico Hines went and got interviewed by Matty Johns talking about his problems with with mental depression and, and things that he went through and the help that he needed to get. So to watch this young man, when he got, gets that opportunity to do what he did with it, had to put a smile on your face. And guess what? It just got done probably putting quite a few amount of dollar signs in his bank account in the near future. Um, the question is if he stays with the storm or if a suitor comes in and really pulls him away. Um, part of the hard-hittingness of the NRL also is that, you hate to say it, but our but our friend, Kieran Foran, 5'8 for Manly, another injury, a broken hand, it looks like it's a two to four week injury. I'm thinking it's closer to a three to four week injury. So that means now what does Desi do? He's either got Josh Schuster or Cade Cust that can slide into the six. And I'm going to say, I would normally say it would be Josh Schuster with the skill in the game that he has. Benji Marshall said of the players that he played last year when he was with the Tigers, that Josh Schuster looked like he had the most upside of any player that he played against all season. 
Now, the problem with Josh Schuster is it looks like he's been eating four steaks a day for the last four weeks. He is almost, it looks like almost doubled in size because he's playing in the back row. And wow, that's a lot, that's a different type of fitness that the guy is going to have to go through trying to conduct a run around out of the 5-8th position. Now, if you don't do that, that means you got to bring Cade Cust in, and I'm a huge Cade Cust fan. I wish for, uh, I pray and I wish that Desi could actually figure out if he's going to do Cade Cust at 9, if he's going to do Cade Cust at 6, or Cade Cust at 7. Well, we know he's not doing Cade Cust at 7 because DCE is there. But I think Cade Cuss is too good of a player to be sitting on the bench for his amount of, uh, for the amount of time that he is on the bench. So one of those two guys is going to fill in a, to Kieran Foran's position. So we will probably be looking at a little foreshadowing of the future of what it could look like at Manly. Uh, and I got to say the feel-good story for me for this round was watching the debut uh, for Jake Arthur's, Brad Arthur's son with the Parramatta Eels. And to watch that father and son bond uh, when he scored his try, watching dad's exuberance. Uh, you know, and Brad Arthurs is a guy who's pretty stone-faced. But to see the joy on his face as his son, you know, gets a try and then they embrace after the game uh, was really, really something special to see. And, and I think it just humanizes so many of these, 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 these coaches that you see that have to really stay steel-faced so much. Um, but to see them forget all of that and just become a father, which we probably all know if they're doing it right is the most important thing, uh, is really something beautiful to see. So congratulations to the entire Arthur's family for just probably the moment of the round with him. Let's go into the 4020s. And, you know, we've got a few stories this week, nothing horribly or nothing really, really big. Uh, a lot of it we saw coming. The first one is that the Brisbane Hawks have finally officially launched their bid to be the NRL 17, 17th team starting in 2023. Now, a lot of people say Brisbane, Brisbane's already got one team. Why do they need two? Why wouldn't we be going uh, to Western Australia? Um, I don't know. I, I can't even really tell you that. I do know the rabid fan base that is up in Queensland and especially in Brisbane. I really think that Brisbane could have a second team there. I know the Broncos probably wouldn't be too happy about that. But it is official that they have they have officially um, launched their bid to be in the NRL in 2023. Uh, I know with that, there's a lot of players that, that have Queensland roots that are really looking at that about possibly going home uh, and I know a big name there is Cameron Munster has actually mumbled and grumbled and said that he might be interested in going back to Brisbane. Who knows? Uh, but if you can draw a guy like Cameron Munster back to a fledgling club like that, you instantly go from just a club that's going to get your head kicked in for a couple years to a team that could compete pretty quick. So it's going to be fun to watch how the, the Brisbane Hawks situation pans out and if the NRL actually feels like they are going to take on that 17th team. Because I know New Zealand would like another team. Uh, so, you know, that, that's going to be fascinating again. Well, it didn't take Jared Beal long to sit on the sidelines in retirement because Jared Beal is now back in the NRL. He signed a deal to come start immediately with the St. George 
the dragons, the red V. So I think that's going to be a great signing as long as Jerry Beal has been keeping himself in shape. And I know there's a difference between gym shape and contact footy shape, but I thought that Jared Beal called it quits a little early, but we will quickly find out where his game is at because I know the Dragons really, really need him. And then the last big story out of the 40-20 this week that I had is something that has been happening like a yo-yo the last five to six weeks of the season, and that is that Kevin Walters has, how should I say, axed Anthony Milford again, and that Milford will not be playing this week. But the wild card's coming into this equation. Albert Kelly. Albert Kelly, who's been playing over in the Super League, who hasn't played in the NRL since 2014. Albert Kelly is back in the league and is going to be playing at 5'8 for the Brisbane Broncos. I will tell you this right now. I, I do follow the Super League. We don't talk about it as much here. Um, I really get into it closer towards the playoffs, but I'm a Catlins fan. I pay attention to what's going on with the Dragons, and I definitely watch what's going on with a lot of the NRL players, and there's definitely some players that I like that are that are English-wise that are over there playing. Uh, Kevin Nagama. I'm a big Nagama guy for, for St. Helens. But Albert Kelly, his body had changed a lot. He bulked up quite a bit playing over in the Super League. But Albert Kelly is dynamic. And I don't know what that's going to mean with his play this week. But I'm very excited to see how Albert Kelly goes. He's that veteran presence. Like I said, Nathan Cleary is going to start getting as the as, as, his, as his time and as his years continue to go forward. But Albert Kelly is 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 is, is going to be fun to watch. And and him and the halves gamble are just going to be uh it's going to be exciting. And if I was a Brisbane fan, I would be very much uh, in tune to see what happens with that halves pairing and how they do up against the Chooks. You know, I, I bet you're sitting there going, really? You're going you're gonna to start me against the Roosters. But any real competitor is going to say, let me get at the, at the champ from the beginning. Let me get after one of these big teams to really show you what I'm made of. So that's our 40-20s. Now let's go over the round 11 matchups that we've got. Starting on Thursday night, we have the Knights at the Cowboys. Uh, I cannot by any means take the Knights right now. Uh, did I say that again? I cannot take the Knights right now. You've got a team again. Let me put it this way. If I was the West Tigers, I would see if I could sign Newcastle every week. What about that for an idea? I wonder how good our seasons could be if we played the Knights every week. Let me th- let me th- let's think about this. Two of our, th- yeah, that could be a good season. That could be a good season. We might actually make the playoffs if we play the Knights every week. So, just saying, I'm not taking the Knights. Cowboys all the way. Friday night, we got a doubleheader. We got the Tigers at the Warriors to kick it off. I've got the Warriors in that one. And then we've got the Dragons at the Sharks. And I don't know why, but I'm going with the Sharks in that one. Uh, I just, for some reason, think it's a big rivalry game. And I think the Sharks have this game circled on the map because I think they think if we can beat our rival here, uh, maybe we can we can kickstart our season. Uh, but they better win that match because if the Sharks lose this match this week against the Dragons, I think it's their season. Uh, it's over. Then Saturday, 
we've got four games, and the reason I'm saying four games is because it starts at like Saturday uh, at like 4 a.m. Uh, U.S. time. But we've got the Bulldogs and the Titans. I'm taking the Titans, but boy, I'd love to see them make a few tackles and actually show some defense. We got the Broncos at the Roosters. I am not picking against the Roosters right now. Robbo's got the boys playing. Storm at the Raiders. Uh, Papali's out. Um, you've got you got too many big players out for for the Raiders after a magic di- diabolical round. So I'm taking the Storm for sure there. And then Panthers at the Rabbitohs. The return of Latrell Mitchell for the Bunnies. And I went on a limb and I said I wasn't going to pick up against the Penny Panthers for a while. But you can't win week in and week out, week in and week out, week in and week out without something finally happen. And I think I've got the Rabbitohs beating the Panthers in that one. You know, they are at South Sydney, so... Or at Dabo. I guess they're at Dabo. So they're really not at South Sydney, but I still have the Rabbitohs. And then the last game for the round, a real hate fest. If you if you remember, my good friend Dom, that we, the Dom Gonzalez, who we interviewed uh, to start off the season. Uh, even though Dom is probably going to hate for me to say this, I'm going to take the Sea Eagles and I'm going to say with, it's we have to do it. it. It's almost become a tradition. Desi's back. Back again, Desi's back, back again. Ah, it's a beautiful thing. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start singing that before I go to bed. I'll probably get at least an extra hour of sleep from that. So, let's go over our picks. We've got the Cowboys, the Warriors, the Sharks, the Titans, the Roosters, the Storm, the Rabbitohs, and the Sea Eagles are our picks. So, we went six for eight this week. Let's try to go uh, seven for eight. Now, I went out on a limb on a couple of those picks. But hey, we're playing with a little bit with house money because of our victories uh, this last week for Magic Round. So let's go into that other round, or excuse me, that other football that we love, the other footy. Let's talk a little AFL. I told you our match of the round that I picked for this last round was the Port Adelaide Power going up against the Western Bulldogs, the Dogs of War, the Fitzroy Dogs of War. But the problem for the dogs was they were going to Adelaide Oval. And I told you about my experiences and how much I love Adelaide Oval. And and Adelaide is one of my favorite cities in the world. I love it. Let me say that again. I love Adelaide. Was supposed to be in Adelaide until COVID came and stiff-armed me in the jaw. But that's something else. But the dogs did it. The Fitzroy Dogs of War went into Adelaide and beat the Power. A Power team that was riding pretty damn high after beating their cross-town rivals, the Adelaide Crows. They plucked the feathers off of that little blackbird and they couldn't hold it over. The dogs came into their backyard, grabbed their woman's hand, took the beer out of their other hand, and walked out the front door. They did. 96-77. They took it to the power. And it has to, it makes you look at this. uh, It's a two-team race right now. And I've told you that I still have, I had Port Adelaide and Richmond playing the grand final. Richmond is in the eighth spot right now. I don't really know 
you know, it's tough to bet against the champs because, you know, when Kachi comes back, uh, we've seen this Richmond team the second half of the season. They're a totally different team. They know when to flip the switch, blah, blah, blah. So I think as long as the as Richmond can get up into the top four, which is not going to be easy because you've got Port in there right now. You've got the Brisbane Lions have woken up. You've got the D's and the Bulldogs, who I don't think are coming back towards the pack. And then you've got Geelong that's sitting there in fifth. And Geelong isn't going anywhere. They're playing some incredible footy. So I, I think Richmond has got to get up into five. I think they've got to be at least fifth. And I know they would love to be fourth. At least fourth. But the, but the Tigers have got some work to do. And, you know, come on, let's be honest. Not a better team to have to do it. But I guess that's what sets up with my match of the round. My match of the round is Richmond at Brisbane. The Tigers back up to where their 2020 grand final excellence came out. This match is Friday morning at the GABA. It's a 4, I think 4.05 or 4.30 a.m. start over here stateside. But that match is going to tell us a lot. Now, it is not 100% sure if Cochin's going to play or not. So if Trent Cochin does not play, to me, yes, this game means something. Yes, this game means a lot. But Trent Cochin, Dima is trying to have Cochin as healthy as possible for the end of the season. Now, I don't know how possible that is with all those daughters that Trent Cochin has running around the house. But And Cochin's a great dad. But that's enough to blow out your hamstring. I've seen some of those home videos. Whew! You're a strong man, Koch. But what I'm saying to you, Shedheads, is that if Kachin doesn't play, this isn't Rich- Richmond at 100%. Not anywhere close. Because he is their captain. So, exciting match to watch. I'm very interested to see the outcome of it. And with it being the gob, I guess Dima can't complain how he hates Marvel Stadium. So that'll be quite fascinating to see. So, Richmond at Brisbane, my match of the round. Now let's go into the guns. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just totally underachieving today. The guns. Well, uh, what do you think? You, you, you trust me on so much. You're not going to trust me to make a good pick for my number one gun of the week? Yeah, right. Nathan Cleary. Some people say he's the the best man in the competition right now. I know others would try to say it's Tommy Turbo. But to me, it's Nathan Cleary. Again, three tries, eight for eight on conversions. I don't know if you guys have done the math. That's 100%. 173 running meters, three line breaks, two line break assists, two try assists, nine tackle breaks, 19 tackles, 266 kicking meters. To me, it doesn't get any more sound than that. That's a well-rounded player that affected his team all over the field in so many different ways. And again, that is why it's a no-brainer that that is your halfback for your New South Wales Blues. Number two, Turbo's back, back again. Yes, Tommy Turbo is there. I don't know how many more Trevojevic's are thinking about pulling on a Manly jersey. We got three of them in Manly jerseys now. 
but maybe there's another fourth or fifth. Who knows? I was trying to see if I could look to do some of my own mathematics and look to see if Mama Travojevic had, 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 how should I say, given us another. But we know for sure he won't be in a jersey this week. That's the only thing I can guarantee you. He won't be in a jersey this week. But Turbo, two tries, 175 running meters, one line break, two line break assists, two try assists, four tackle breaks, and three tackles made. Turbo just keeps it going. And that's why, to me, it's going to be so exciting and why I've tipped Manly to upset Parramatta and the Dom Gonzalez Eels this weekend. And then the third one. To me, the feel-good story of the round, even though it was at somebody else's dismay, Nico Hines, who stepped in for Pappenhausen. Okay, one for four on conversions. You know, I don't think he was planning on having to, how should I say, put 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 the aspirin between the posts. But 225 running meters, two line breaks, four line break assists, two try assists, three tackle breaks, and six tackles. Nico Hines, that young man is making himself, every time he plays like this, more and more money. Now the question is, is does he stay with the storm? Or does he get courted to leave? And I think until we know that, I don't think we know the full, how should I say, uh, journey that he's about ready to go on. Because does he really want to go and be somebody's fullback? Or does he have not a problem learning from one of the greatest coaches to ever to coach the game in bellyache? That's the the question. That's the only one that uh, we need to find out here sooner than later. And I think that all comes down if, if if Bellamy actually stays with the Storm, which, Melbourne, please don't tell me you're even thinking about getting rid of one of the best coaches ever. So, that is our footy talk. Let's go outside the bubble. And I'm starting with outside the bubble because in a matter of moments, when I quickly throw you guys away, excuse me, uh, end this podcast, we've got the Lakers and the Golden State Warriors In this very unique, but okay, we'll go with it, play-in game. This is a big game because the Lakers and the Warriors finish 7-8. and So the winner is in the playoffs for sure. The loser, as I just saw about 12 seconds ago, the loser is going to have to play the Memphis Grizzlies. And then the winner of that is in the playoffs. We've already seen... Uh, on day one of the playoff play-in game, uh, the Indi- the Indiana Indiana Pacers knocked out. Listen, let me change that. Flushed, decimated, beat down the Charlotte Hornets. Thank you for coming. Now go back to Charlotte, and so they are going to have to play the Washington Wizards. Bradley Beal's team. And the winner of that will make the playoffs. But the Boston Celtics handled business last night and broke that Wizards one. And so they're already in. So the play-in game, which to me does not need to happen. I think seven and eight shouldn't have to do this. I think seven and eight should just, you know, they've paid their dues. They played their season. They should be good. I know that everyone wants drama and everyone wants competition. So that's why this has been thought up. 
And I usually don't go uh, against Adam Silver often because I think that he is pretty damn brilliant and that he made the NBA look incredible the way they handled social issues last year and let the players speak and then how he let the players come into the bubble and make things happen. Let's be honest, he probably followed suit a little bit of what the NRL was going to do, but unlike the NRL, the NBA actually did go into a bubble and that let the NHL go to a bubble. And that's what allowed those two sports to excel, to go forward, and to take care of business. Plain and simple. That's not even, that's not, there's nothing for us to even discuss with that. There's not going to be bubbles because everyone in America thinks that COVID is dead and, and no one can get it anymore. Uh, that's over here anyway. Uh, so there is no bubbles. And we're just going to try to play it out. Uh, our brothers to the north uh, in Canada. We'll talk about them there in a second, but they have a different uh, approach and thought process going into this. But that is going to be fun to watch. And I think it all depends in this Golden State-Lakers match how healthy LeBron really is. I think if, if LeBron is 80 to 85%, Lakers will win this first game. But if LeBron is at 60%, to me, the best player in the league right now is Steph Curry. And I think Curry and Golden State win that match. Even though they've got a younger team, I think that they have had to play a more desperate brand of basketball down the stretch to make sure they got into the playoffs. And I think they handle the Lakers if LeBron isn't at 80 or 85%. So that is that is what I'm about ready to do over here. You want to some of the behind the There you go, behind the curtain. You're fighting out about your Shed Adamas. Now, I told you, starting at the beginning of baseball season, how we all need to watch my new favorite team, is the San, the, the San Diego Padres. The Padres. The, 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 the swinging friars of San Diego. The 619 of, of singing sw- swinging squat. Say that five times. I'm, I'm about blacked out. But Fernando Tatis Jr. is the most recent American athlete to come down with COVID mysteriously. And he came back today. Today was his comeback match. And you know, it usually takes guys a little bit of time to kind of get into the rigors of everything. Not Fernando Tatis Jr. Today in his return from COVID protocol, he went four for four, one home run, and two RBIs. And you wonder why I get so excited when I talk about Fernando Tatis Jr. and the Padres. Because they're magical. They are just a, they're a magical team, and they're going to make a deep run this year. And I'm so excited to watch the swinging friars slam Diego go down the stretch. Now, what I want to finish outside the bubble with is I want to talk about the match quickly that I watched last Saturday for UFC 262 between Charles Oliveira and Michael Chandler. I watched Charles Oliveira in his first UFC fight in Austin, Texas. And he was this string bean kid, you know, not much to him. Looked like he weighed 150 wet. But he but he but he submitted a guy. It's like, wow, okay. All right. Jump ahead years later. Charles Oliveira is fighting for a belt that Khabib has relinquished in his retirement. And he was gonna take upstart Michael Chandler. This match went barely a round and a half. 
let's say it went around and a quarter. And it was some of the most exciting MMA that I've seen for a very long time. Because I'm going to tell you something. I love a good fight. I don't need to see a guy's arm break in half. I don't need to see bone comes puncturing through the skin. I'm not, I'm not how should I say, a, a looking for bloodlust. I want a good fight. And these guys provided a fight that I will remember for a while. I will also remember Charles Oliveira, who looked like he was about finished, hold on, and then come out in the second round and knock out a guy that a lot of people didn't think was going to be able to get knocked out. And it happened. Michael Chandler, to me, showed a lot. He showed a lot in the standpoint of his grace and his dignity and his loss, which you could tell does not come easy for him. Um, Losing one, but to say good things even after he lost. But I think we are are set to watch these guys do battle very, very soon. I know Michael Chandler is going to have to work his way back up. There's some other guys that, that, that definitely want a shot at that belt and probably deserve a shot at that belt. Um, but what a fight UFC 262 was. And congratulations to Charles Oliveira. I, I got to tell you, you don't see many fighters when they enter the ring as they're circling the ring, hug the other team and the other fighter he's about ready to fight. That's how good of a dude this guy is. He He's seen both sides of the competition, meaning he's seen the winning side and he's been very, very low at points in his career when he was not winning. And to see him rebound and to hold that strap, to hold that belt, and to be considered the best, it's, uh, it was very humbling and it, it almost got me emotional because I, I knew how excited and what that young man had been through. So congratulations to the new champ, Charles Oliveira. But that brings this episode to a close, Shedheads. I have, I've got to tell you something. Hopefully, the NRL gets their high tackle stuff together. I, I quickly changed the word I was going to say. Uh, gets it together this week, and we get back to some exciting footy where I'm not scared every time I see a, a pink-clad referee uh, grab his whistle and, and, and start to puff his cheeks out like a blowfish. Uh, hopefully, we can be smart. Hopefully, we can understand the game's been around for 100 years. Hopefully, we can get through this and make the game safer, but not change the integrity of the game. But, last soapbox that you get for me for the week. So, be safe, Shedheads. I think I got you to the promised land with my picks. But, until next week, stay out of trouble. Don't get caught. Congratulations. Again, hit me up on my, my Instagram page, Outside the Sheds. Send me some messages. Make sure you like that thing. Hey, be a friend to it. We don't bite it outside the sheds. We nibble a little. We never bite. But until then, see ya! And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson talking all things NRL, AFL, and all things sports. So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about. 